for coming. It's just so wonderful to see everybody here standing together. Um, to anybody who's new, please stick around and say hi to one of us. We'll be happy. You'll keep our eyes out and say hi to you. Um, we're just a big family here, and we're just always happy to have everybody coming back and new people coming. And we're just really thankful that we can all be together because sometimes we need people. And this is an environment where we just have a family that we know that we can talk to and we're not gonna be judged. We're just gonna be loved on. And this is what you need sometimes because it gets hard. It gets hard for us too, we're up here and I suffer from depression. And I went through a season where things were dark and they were bad. And I learned through my family, through these people, through everybody here to lean on God and trust on God. Even when I didn't want to, even when I was pushing him away, I'm saying, no, I just can do this by myself, but I couldn't. And the minute that I surrendered and I, I surrendered to God and I said, no, I need you. And something in the back of my head just changed and it started to get better. So we're here for you guys. We're always here and we love all of you. And we're thank you for coming.
lift your voice. us, that love will never forsake us like some other things might. God, I pray that you would seal that in our hearts, that we would always know that you are always there, you are always with us. We always have someone to lean on, someone to guide us, because your love never fails. God, I thank you what you've done in our hearts today to draw us closer to you. God, I pray in this moment that you would open our ears, open our eyes and our understanding, God, to hear what you have to say. Let us receive your word, God, with complete understanding today for what you have for us to do, not to stay in a place of complacency, God, but to, to be healed, to be whole, to be set free, and to go show others in this world the love of Jesus Christ through our lives, the light that we carry to this world so that other people can experience who you are, God. Let us, don't keep it to ourselves, but let us be changed, let us be transformed and be made new to bring other people into your kingdom. God, we pray all of this, we speak it in the name of Jesus, and we say as a church family this morning, amen, amen. Amen. Give him, give him, yes, give him some praise this morning. Amen. Good morning. How are you guys? You can be seated. Um, we just want to greet all of our first-time guests. If you would like to visit the table outside, we have a gift for you. We'd love to meet you after service. Um, we're going to take offering now. And if you're new, don't feel pressure. Um, we appreciate your generosity. If you're faithful here to Hill City, um, what you do gives just to the community around us. It gives for us to be able to do what we do on Sundays. And um, we do also have urban outreach. And if you don't know what that is, it's um, on Thursday nights. It's in Five Points. They feed the homeless. And um, they just bring the people of Five Points into their little building. And they just feed 
them until they cannot eat anymore, and then they send home with they send them home with warm meals. And so um, we're actually giving an offering for like a walk-in refrigerator for them. So if you're feeling led to give towards that, go for it. I think we'll give again next week also, and that'll be the last week. But we just want to help them be able to get food for food bank. So that's exciting, and uh, we'll pray. Thank you for being here. Happy almost Fourth of July. And um, we're just excited that you're here with us today. Dear God, thank you so much for um, each person in each metal chair today in Shadow Ridge Middle School. God, I just thank you that um, in times that we're going through things, God, it might be a really great day and it might be a hard day, but that you're there and that we feel your presence here. So most of all, God, thank you for meeting us here because the church is nothing without you in it, God. We need you. We can't do this without you. So we just pray um, that whoever gives and whoever cannot give, God, that your blessings would be on them today. And we thank you for the word that we're going to hear. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Give my wife a hand. Because she, yeah, she has to deal with me every day. You don't even know. You don't, you don't even know. Yeah. She, uh. Uh, who still has this on their refrigerator? Yeah. This is, if you don't have it, it just says, who is my neighbor? And this is just talking about the eight people who live around you. Just think about eight, right? Do you know the names of your neighbors, of the eight people that live around you? A lot of times we say, oh, I know how to love my neighbor, right? Uh, and, and it's like, it's just like, it's loving in thought. But what does it look like to actually know your neighbor, to know their name, to have the odd conversation like, We've been neighbors for 10 years, but I don't know your name. <laughs> and shaking their hands and having these odd conversations. Because these conversations, they turn into uh, to relationships, turn into uh, in-depth. And I think it's very important to know your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor. And it's, under, it's, it's interesting that we, uh, many times, we know the, the verse, right? To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like this, to love your neighbor as ourselves. But we don't know the names of our neighbors. So we started this initiative a couple months back, actually a month and a half back, called Who is My Neighbor? Won't You Be My Neighbor? And it just fills in. As you fill this in, I believe it will be a tool to actually get, getting to know your neighbor and to loving them well. So I put that here just, to, just to, so you guys can see, right? It's nice and easy. But uh, good morning. Uh, my name is John. If you're new here, thank you for being here. Just, uh, just really glad that you guys are here. Just really glad that you're here. If someone can pop these lights on for me, it'd be awesome. So uh, I am not in uh, the shade the whole time. But just welcome. We're continuing this series. It's called Summer Jams. Summer Jams. And we're looking at the, at the hits and the deep cuts of the Bible and the songs of the Bible. And, and, and before we start, uh, I just want to know, we're, we're just reading through Psalms. And I put a homework out. We're going through Psalms 25 this week, and, and some of you guys read it, some of you guys didn't, but I'm going to read it to you today. But uh, before we start, how many of you guys drive far for work, right? Some of you guys, you're like, all I do is drive, John. That's what I do. I Uber, right? So, uh, some of you guys drive for work, and some of you guys are expert navigators. How, much, how many of you guys are good at directions? Direction people? How many can be honest and just horrible at directions, right? Yeah, my, my wife, just like, just to throw it out there, she's awesome at directions. Not, right? Uh, there's many times I say, Candace, when, when you don't know what to do, think of what direction you think you should be going and go the other way, <laughs> right? Because she gets lost very, very easy. There's this internal compass that she is missing. It's broken right now, right? She can even get lost in our neighborhood. She's like, I'm going this way. I'm like, are you going to Walmart? Because Walmart's that way. That way. And, and don't tell her north, west, south, east, right? Like, don't tell her that stuff. She's like, I don't get it. That, I don't understand that. And so some people are expert navigators, and others do not have that gift. And we thank God for technology, because what do most people do to find their directions? They use your phone for GPS, the global positioning system. Thank God for it. You ask Siri, Siri, which way am I going? You ask, hey, Google, well, you use Google Maps or Waze. Uh, but we trust in our GPS to get to our destination on time with the shortcuts around traffic. But have you ever received bad directions from your GPS? 
right? You think you're going the right way, and then you come to your destination and says, this is your destination. You're like, no, it's not. Where am I? I've been 20 minutes out of the way when I was trying to go one direction, and I'm out of the way 20 minutes the other direction, and that's why I do not use Apple Maps, Caleb. I do not use Apple Maps because it has gotten me lost too many times. And so if we have this GPS for driving to get to our destination, but how do we make sure that we get to the right destination in life? How do we know we're going the right way? How do we know we're going to get to our destination? What guides us so we don't get lost, we go the right way, and we find our direction? Many times it's ourselves, right? I follow my intuition, John, I, my know-how. I follow my heart, John, and I trust myself. But is that going to get you to the right direction? Some of us, we trust our friends. Our friends, we got our squad, right? We got our peeps with us, our friends, our community, and that keeps us on check. But some of us, it's just culture. We're just going with culture. Culture tells us, buy this kind of car, we're buying this kind of car. Culture tells us, retire at this age, we retire at this age. Culture tells us, work this hard, it's crazy. It used to be 40 hours people used to work. Now people work 60 hours. Do you know the amount of hours are going up way higher than ever before in the United States? We're on the top five most worked nations in the world. Think about that. That's very interesting now. Yeah, we're right up there with Koreans. <laughs> and the Japanese, and they work, that life is work for them. So I was just, it was an interesting thinking about this, but what dictates, what, or what helps you and directs you in your way of life? Is it what everyone else is doing? I guess I'm going this way, that's the people, that's the way people are going. Are we trying to stay up with the Joneses? Because the Joneses always change, and they're never below you, they're always ahead of you. The Joneses always have something that you don't have. Right? So I need, to, I need to stay up with the Joneses or following that lead. But if you don't have a guide in place, let me tell you this. Someone will lead you. If you don't know where you're going, there's plenty of things in life will tell you. You should go this way. You should do this. This is just how it is. But how do you know where to go, what is right, what to do, how to live? And most people, I believe, have prayed this prayer. Maybe you're praying this prayer right now for guidance. God, just guide me. Guide me. Lead me right now. I'm feeling crazy. I don't know what to do next as a parent for my job. Should I, should I, go, to, should I go to grad school? Some of you guys are thinking that. Should I, should I go out with him? Or, or should I, do I need to break up with her? Or should I take this job? Or should I not take this job? Or should I leave this job? What should I do next? And in all seriousness, we ask, is, this, should I, is it right for me to separate with my husband or wife? Can I recover from this? God, am I too far from you? Am I becoming the person that I need to be? God, help, right? I don't know if you've ever asked that. God, help. Guide me. I feel stuck. I'm lost. I don't know what to do with the feelings that I'm feeling or with the place that I'm at. I need some guidance. I need direction. And I believe many of us, even this week, have asked, that question. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And that's what this song is about in Psalms 25. Before we go to Psalms 25, there's a song uh, by Hillsong called Oceans. And I'm going to read you some of the, the lyrics of this song since we're in a bunch of songs. And it, the, the writer, Joel Houston, writes, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters where you have called me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And it's talking about trusting God when we don't know what to do. To understand that God is leading us. Trusting him not just to save us, but to lead us and to mature us. See, Christianity cannot stop with a knowledge of, um, of understanding of, of Jesus, like accepting him, right? I'm going to follow you. I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going I'm to, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm for you. But there has to be a maturing. There has to be a maturing. Or you will feel very frustrated in your faith. Just imagine, remember when you were a child, all you could talk about was maturing, right? And as adults, we feel like, oh, we have arrived. But I'm telling you, we have not arrived in faith. Faith does not work like that. Your relationship with God does not work like that. It cannot stop maturing. It must grow or there's an internal frustration that we will feel in this walk 
with God. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 25. All right, we celebrate the Word of God because the Word of God reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives. That's why we celebrate it. But I'm, it's a little long. It's 22 verses, but I'm going to read as fast as possible. You can read behind me, or you can read on your phones or your Bible, and I'm going to go. You guys ready? I'm talking fast now. You guys ready? All right, you guys are ready. No, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But I'm, I'm gonna, you're going to be ready anyway. Uh, Psalms 25, it says, In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come upon those who are treacherous without cause. Verse 4, show me your ways, Lord. I believe this is the thesis of this whole song. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Say, my Savior. That's right. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember my sins from my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs a sinner in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. Verse 10, all of the ways of the Lord are loving, faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquities, though they are great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He, and he will instruct them in the ways he should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confines in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Verse 15, my eyes are ever on the Lord. Come on, continue to look at him. For only he will release my feet from the snare, from the trap. Turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and distress and take away all my sin. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, and all their troubles. Amen. Man. This is, there, this is real thick, all right? And I'm going to break it down because there's a lot of information here. But let me first, we're going to first assess the situation. Second, we're going to listen to David's prayer and petition what he's asking God. And third, we're going to set the expectations that God has of us so we know what it means to get God's guidance here. So I'm going to assess the situation. David is dealing with fear, number one. Verse 2 says, "In I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor my enemies triumph over me. There's fear. Verse 19, see how numerous are my enemies, how fiercely they hate me. David's life is in harm's way, and he's facing fear. I don't know what you're facing today. Have you ever faced fear? Are you facing fear? Maybe it's not this enemy in front of you. Maybe it's a situation you're going through. And man, it's freaking you out. And guys are a certain way. When I face fear, I stress out and I get upset. It's funny. Like, because uh, we're not always awesome, uh, I'm just speaking to men like me, with our emotions, everything turns into anger at some point, right? We're frustrated, we get angry. We, we feel uncertain, we get, uh, we get upset, and then we get angry. And I'm like, what is this, God? I need to do better with my emotions, right? I need to know myself a little better. But David is dealing with fear. He's in harm's way. And listen, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean your life is without danger. I'm going to throw that out there. There's a Christian myth, if I do good, only good things happen. Let me tell you, that's not true. The whole Bible, it's a, it's a story of life. It's not just prosperity and goodness. You follow God for, for God. Let me, let me put that out there again. We follow God to worship God. We don't follow God so God can worship us and make our lives easy. That's not the worship of God. That's the lack of worship of God. And we're not understanding the true understanding of what it means to follow right? What it means to follow. So David is dealing with fear. Number two, David is dealing with loneliness. I don't know. Verse 16, it says, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. I am struggling, David is saying. I'm struggling with loneliness. And loneliness is very real, especially in society today. Many people, we are surrounded by technology and we're surrounded by many digital friends, but we might lack 
actual friendship, right? Many people, like if you go on my Facebook, I got a lot of friends, right? But I, but I would say I have a few friends that I can really lean into, even though I'm very connected. There are moments in my own life, because I deal with, my, uh, deal with loneliness in, in a very weird way, that I feel very alone in a crowded room. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. And you feel like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And that's why community is so important because we all at some point will face loneliness. We all at some point will face fears and we cannot walk alone. And even for you marrieds, I always say this, what's worse than being single and alone is, feeling mar- is being married and feeling alone. And, I, and this is a real true thing that Candace and I have gone through. And we're like, Dude, uh, I remember in the beginning of our marriage, I'm like, we're really lonely right now. I'm lonely right now. We need friends. I thought all I needed was marriage and I'd be good. No, there has to be, there, we are called into a community. The Bible constantly speaks that we always talk about our personal relationship with Jesus. And yes, that's important. But the way your faith plays out is always in community. Always. It's always in community. In theology, you don't, you don't just, okay, this is what I believe. No, you have to discuss what you believe. That's how you grow in your belief. You have to discuss what it means to follow Jesus. So you grow and mature in the way of following Jesus. It, we were meant to be together, but things are, I believe society has a way of pulling us apart, right? We don't want them to see the true us because that, oh, they don't. I don't, I don't want to show you my, my house because there's laundry here and there. And, and uh, you know, don't, we have that one room. Do you guys all have the bedroom that no one goes into, right? You can walk around the house. Don't go into our bedroom. That's, we, we're the same way because we're like, it's a wreck. I didn't, we didn't make the bed today. I could tell you, if you walked in there, you'd be like, this is a wreck. But if I walked into your bedroom, I would, I would think, unless you're OCD, that there is some stuff flying around. Some of you guys are, Right? I believe in society more than ever people are dealing with social poverty. Social poverty. I know we talk a lot about poverty in itself, physical poverty, where people are lacking. But uh, Mother Teresa, when she uh, uh, came to the United States, they said this land is way more impoverished than the land I'm from. That's what she said when she was dealing with lepers and physical poverty. She saw our social poverty, our lack of relationship and connection. And David is going through this poverty of people. But sometimes we, we are alone because there's, we are disconnected. But sometimes your obedience to God can cause you to stand alone. Let me, let me be honest about this too. Following Jesus doesn't mean you're better than anyone. Let me tell you. It means you understand how messed up you really are. Being honest. And then how good God is. And you're wanting to be like Jesus. But it does mean that we live differently, believe differently. Because there are moments in our faith when we must hold our ground and stand alone. And it causes loneliness as well. Also, David dealt with guilt. How many of you guys have ever dealt with guilt, right? Guilt. Verse 7 says, do not remember the sins of my youth. He's going way back, way back. And he's like, and my rebellious ways. Verse 11, for the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquities, though they are great. Listen, David cares about sin in his life. And I think this is one of the great areas that is, is, is a problem. And if you are a church person or been going to church for a while, I think this is the great area that has been grayed out a little bit. Meaning that we, many Christians no longer care about the sin in their lives. It's just part of their life. This is, oh, this is what I'm doing. God will understand. And, and, and it's not that the sin, it's not only, let me say that, that the sin is destroying us and hurting us, but we're not understanding sin correctly. See, David cares about sin in his life. He knows it keeps him away from God, right? He knows it keeps people away from him. And that it hurts people. David is not only asking for forgiveness so he can feel not guilty. Listen, listen, listen. No, he's asking for forgiveness because he has offended God. When have we ever asked for forgiveness or that we look at our lives or the way we're handling situations or the way we're doing things and we say, God, is this offending you? 
That's a different way to understand sin because most of the times we want to ask for forgiveness of sin so I'm good with you, right? We're good, right? But have we ever asked for forgiveness because we have offended God? We understand what he desires for our lives. He understands that uh, we understand how much he loves us and he's for us. And we, we know in our hearts we have offended him. And so we confess our sins because we do not want to offend God, we have a right view of our sin and a proper view of God. I repent, God, because I have dishonored you, God. I dishonored you in front of my family. I dishonored your name. This is a proper view of sin. And lastly, David is de dealing with confusion. And he cries out in verse 4 and 5, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth. If I, could, if I could tell you, if there's anything you get and get out of this, if, it's, if there's one thing you can get out of this, I want you to pray this way. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth. He's saying, David's saying, I'm lost, man. I'm far from you. I feel distant. Have you ever lost your way feeling distant from God and distant from people? And now you feel uncertain, you feel confused, you feel stressed out, but everything tells you, like, oh, you're all good. Everyone else is good, you're good. And, and we talked about that last week. And you're just wandering. You feel like the last couple of years of your life, you've been wandering. Wandering. And, and, and I want to tell you, everyone struggles with these areas. But let's listen to how David prays to God. This is prayer and petition number two. Listen how he prays. In every circumstance, David prays. And I'm going to go through the verses real quick. He asks God to guard his life and deliver him from his enemies, verse 20. He asks God to turn to him and be gracious and relieve his loneliness, verse 16. He asks God to remember his sins of his youth and to not remember his sins of his youth, verse 7. To pardon his guilt, verse 11 and 18. Verse 4 and 5, he prays, God, take away my uncertainty and confusion and make me know your ways. David is honest when he struggles with God. Sometimes I feel like in my personal life, I can be very robotic in my struggle with God. I have certain prayers that I pray instead of saying, I, God, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I am so lost right now, but I'm supposed to have it together. I have a label. I'm a pastor. I'm a professional Christian, right? It's, it's crazy. And I talked about this to you guys. Some of, sometimes being... Knowing that I'm a professional Christian makes me lose my mind. Because then I feel I have the urge that I have to act and be a certain way when all throughout the Bible it's like, be honest before God. Just be honest before God because people are struggling and we are all Christians. There's no pro. You don't go pro in Christianity. We're all minor leaguers, man. We're all playing minor league, like church league, where people are crazy. You know, the craziest leagues are church leagues. You know why? Because we're all messed up. We're all messed up. And if you try to, like, try to hold it in for so long, you just explode and do some dumb stuff and say some things. But I'm just saying, you don't need to go pro in your Christianity. Don't do it. There's no pro-Christians. We are in absolute need of God's grace every moment, every day. In the Bible, David was labeled the man after God's own heart, and it has nothing to do with perfection or goodness. David was jacked up, man. He murdered people. He slept with his best friend's wife and then murdered the dude. Yeah, that's, if you haven't done that, you're doing better than David. Right? So we're on, you can tell you're not on David level. You're not on David level of sinning. But this man was called the man after God's own heart. You know why? Because he always honestly came back to God, and he always wanted to be right with God, even though he was insane sometimes. Even at the end of his life, he's always trying to get back to God. Am I right with you? Am I right with you? I know my sin. I know my confusion. I know the sins of my youth. You can tell in this song, he's letting his heart all out. And I want to say, can we be honest with God today? Can you and I let go of being pro and just be just, man, we're just glad I'm in the game, man. I'll sit on the bench and clap. There's no pros here. 
We're all in utter need of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love to be made whole. We need Jesus. You need Jesus as much as you did on the day you gave your life to Jesus. That never ends. And when that stops, when that ends, when that repentance stops being said and we think, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, you're not good. Those are signs you're not good. Because there's no pro. There's no going pro. Now, how does God answer our prayers for guidance? First, he does by changing us and not by always giving us answers. We want answers, and God desires holiness. I should have put that as a point, but I just thought of it. We want answers. God, give me guidance in this. Give me guidance in that. Answer this. Answer that. If you don't answer me, and God's like, mm, I'm going to put you through some hardship. And you're like, huh? I don't like this, God. I wanted answers, and you gave me hardship. <laughs> right? I'm going to put you through some rough. I'm going to bring some people in your life who are crazy, crazier than you. right? And you're going to have to deal with them in the right way. We want answers, and we want quick fixes. God gives us process and holiness. Sometimes when we're in sin, God will hurt us deeply. And I, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I don't boldly say this, but God will hurt you very deeply so that he could God will break our hands so that our hands will be taken off the wheel of 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 our lives being driven into darkness sometimes God will hurt us deeply so that one day we won't kill ourselves or destroy ourselves I know people don't like to hear that but God loves you so much that God will wound you so that you won't destroy yourself, that he will cause alarm in your life, a change in your life so radical because we're going a direction where we'll be so lost and so without God. God cares about our destination so much. He will put things in our path that will even hurt us because that's the only way to get our attention. And I don't want that for your life. But if we continue to go down certain roads of our lives, in certain ways of our lives, God must put roadblocks so that he could stop you from going off the edge. Heavy. The silence. There's no applause to that. I know. I know. I think about that. Because God desires, in our pursuit for guidance and answers, God gives us a guidance into holiness, into spiritual understanding, into convictions. We used to have deeper, I used to have deeper convictions, right? Mission. He gives you a mission. What are we living our life for? We don't just exist. So in fear, guilt, loneliness, and confusion, God gives us and brings us into a, low, uh, into a, a way of holiness so that our heart can finally align with God's heart. And the only way to do that is to humble us. And he will. He will either humble you or he will humble you. <laughs> There's no other way, right? We will either bow down before Jesus one day or we will bow down. There's no third option. You will bow or bow. You're not going to be like, God, I have something to tell you. No, there's, there's none of that in our future. Sometimes we're like, man, I'm going to be bold with God. I'm going to be like, God, why would you do this and do that? No, when you see Jesus face to face, all you're going to be doing is bowing. You're not going to say much because you will see God for the first time for who he is in his glory. And that glory is going to knock you on your butt. And you're going to bow. And it's going to be the best thing for us. We either bow now or we bow later. Might as well bow now. That's what I, I, I desire for us. So what should we be really asking? I told you earlier, teach me your ways, God. I don't want answers. I want to know your ways. Teach me your path. Because I'm picking my own path, and this, this path is not good. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you. My hope is in you. Awaken my heart to yours. Reveal your way to life. Teach me not your answers, but teach me your character. What are you like? How should I deal with this? Teach me your purpose, your timing. See, how many of you guys, I, it's just this David saying, I want to know you. How many of you guys like basketball? Anyone into basketball? right? Not many. <laughs> not, not really, John. I love the NBA, right? I love basketball. And there's a lot of free, free agency going on. I even was like reading about it this morning. I'm so lame, 
right? And everyone's wanting to know where LeBron James is going. That is the big thing. He's the big ticket. And you're like, who's LeBron James? I'm like, what? Right? But LeBron James uh, is currently playing for uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? And I know a lot about LeBron James. He was actually born on the same day my wife was born, right? Did you know that? But he was born in 84, right? He has four MVPs. He has three championships. He has two gold medals. And I listen, I know a lot about LeBron James, but I don't know him. I don't know him. Right? I, 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 knowing about someone and knowing them is two different things, right? Isn't that absolutely true? You, and it's the funny part I like is when you think you really know somebody and then you spend time with them and you're like, I don't like them at all. I thought I would love them. <laughs> they were so like me. Maybe I wouldn't like myself if I hung out with me, right? So there's these moments of enlightenment when we actually get to know someone. And that's why I don't spend time with you guys. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just totally messing. You guys, I'm like, you guys wouldn't like me at all. They would think I'm crazy. But LeBron James in a, is, is that way. And in the same way, I wonder if we are too satisfied with just knowing about Jesus and not knowing him. We're too satisfied with knowing the stories and the stats of Jesus, but not really understanding and experiencing his love. Are we too satisfied with the stats, with Jesus' information, but we don't know him? Even though the cross was a backstage pass to us that God has given us, that we could know God deeply, that he has given us the Holy Spirit so that we could be like Moses, face to face with God, in communion and conversation with God. That's the access we have. But that access comes with the price of pursuing Jesus. It does. There's people that you come around. I'm, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing a funeral this Tuesday for, um, for Ron and Kristen's mom and Tasha's mom, Berna. And, and, it's, and when I was around Berna, I understood she was talking to Jesus. I was like, every time you leave, I would go. I, I, I've spent many, many years with Berna and pray for the fa Lovato family, pray for them. But many years I would spend time with this lady. Her name was Berna, and she just passed away last Saturday. And she was the most beautiful soul. But every time I would go to her, and I'm, I'm like, I'm here for you, Berna. And I would leave like, man, I feel way better now. Because <laughs> she's been with Jesus. It's absolutely different to be with someone who's just talked to Jesus. And are we too satisfied with knowing people who've been with Jesus without being with Jesus? We know people who've been with Jesus. So are we too satisfied with that relationship? When we ourselves can be in communion and in conversation with Almighty God through the cross of Jesus, through forgiveness, do you know him? Paul the Apostle in Philippians 3 cries out, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know him. Then he says, I want to get a hold of him the way he took a hold of me. When I hear, when I read that in Philippians 3, I'm like, oh. Paul is saying, I am willing to suffer and go to the cross or whatever needs to happen in my life to know you. It's, it's a crazy, strong statement, but he's saying more than anything else, I need to know you. I need to get a hold of you. Is that our desire or are we good? I'm good, John. I'm good. I know some stats. I know some stories. When Jesus is saying, come to me, seek me and find me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And as we are closing up, if you're confused about faith, or if faith seems boring to you, or when I talk about Jesus, it just doesn't ring your heart like it used to. It's just like, meh, you know, that, that uh, emoji that's like, mm, whatever, right? I feel like a lot of people in our our society because we are over stimulated by so many things so many things are going we're just meh whatever mm, that's cool uh, th these people are getting married nah. you know it, we live too much that way I think God can never be that way people who know Jesus who speak to Jesus are never meh about Jesus let me tell you about that. When you're around them, there's a passion, or a difference in their eyes. There's a fire in them that I desire for all of us. I desire for me on more of a daily basis 
is because, you know why we don't have that? It's because we don't really know him, maybe like we used to know him. We don't know him like we can know him. And I'm asking you and I'm calling Hill City Church, will you know him? Will you pursue him? I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, not just the power of my might and the fellowship of his suffering, to be like him even to my death, Paul is saying. I want to get a hold of him like he took a hold of me. Maybe you need to read Philippians 3 with brand new eyes and let it just, just marinate in your soul. I believe Jesus is saying to all of us today, like I say to my kids when they want some, I say, come at me, bro. Come at me. I believe Jesus is saying that to you today. Come at me, bro. I can handle your past. I can handle your addictions. I can handle the failing marriage. I can handle when you feel purposeless and you feel wandering or you feel angry or feel fearful or you have questions. I can answer. I can, I can answer your questions. Come at me. And that's the expectation I want you to set in your heart. That sinners, verse 8 tells us, can be confident that God will guide them. Listen, you're not too far from God. I don't care who you are, what your sin is, it's not an obstacle for God's love for you. You don't need to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. He does all the cleaning. We just come. We just say, we cry out and say, God, I need you right now. I don't care how manly you are or how put together you are. You are in absolute need of Jesus. David confessed his sin four times in this psalm alone because he didn't trust in his goodness. He trusted in the goodness of God. That's a big difference. Another expectation is humility is a requirement for God's guidance. He guides the humble and he teaches them his ways, verse 9 says. Humility says, I bow. I bow. And thirdly, covenant keeping is a requirement to God's guidance. What is covenant keeping? I know this is a Christian word. It means admitting sin. Trusting God with your destination means allegiance with God, obedience. And lastly, means fearing God. And what is fearing God? It's fearing to insult God's intelligence and his ways by hiding your sin, by trying to save yourself, and not trusting Jesus for your destiny and for your joy. So as we close today, these guys are giving you the sacraments of the body and blood, these are, these are, they represent the cross. That's what they represent. They also represent a meal. So in, 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 in Scripture, communion always represented a meal together. It was, it was that I am in relationship. I am knowing you. Because when you're eating together, you get to know people. Or it's the weirdest conversation, right? It's like you're staring at each other. My shirt, Paul. Uh, you... You like, you like basketball, right? Sometimes that's how our conversation starts with Jesus because we don't really know them. But as we grow in communion with God, as we break bread and as we drink together, as we, as we live life together, we have a way more beautiful conversation in knowing God. Let's stand together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. With his closest friends, they were eating together and he broke it. And he says, this is my body that was broken for you. Every time you eat, every time you break bread, every time you're eating together, I want you to remember that I'm with you. I'm strengthening you and I'm, I'm, I'm maturing you in, in, into being what I did on this earth. Live like me. Do what I did. So on the night, he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body that was broken for you, that was taken to the cross for you, so that your body would never be broken. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. On that same night, he took the cup, and he says, this is the wine, the cup of new covenant. No longer do you need, can you save yourself because you never could. 
He said, he said, the Old Testament laws were there to show you that you can't. But this new covenant is to show you that I can. I can save you. I can clean you up. I can make you new. And some of us in this room, we need God to make us new. Our minds are jacked up. Our heart is messed up. It's cold towards people. It's cold towards God. And we're like, God, I need you to make me new. And I pray as we take this cup of this new covenant, God will do something new in you. You will ask for repentance of sin, not so you could feel better, which is good. It's a good part. But you understand, you and I understand, I have dishonored God. I want to be right with God. So let's take the cup together. Heavenly Father, as we have taken communion, God, woo! Let us remember you, God. You are making us new. The old has passed away. The new has come, God. And I pray, let us stop dumpster diving into our past and saying that's who we are. When you have given us a new identity as children of God, let us start identifying ourselves with you instead of who we were, God. If you have lost your way and you feel and you're looking for guidance, do what David did. Stop and pray. Humble yourself and come back to covenant with him. If Jesus was real and he's God, then be bold about it. Our passive faith, our halfway living for God doesn't help you or anyone around you. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus for boldness for us, God. In the name of Jesus, as we are being made new, bring boldness out of us, Lord God. In the life that we live in the flesh, Lord, that this life we live, we live for you. And we will find so much joy, Lord God, when we finally trust you with our destination, Lord God. And I pray in this room, in the name of Jesus, that people would trust you with their destination for the first time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Man, let's give a hand to Christ, man, to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Get to know one another. Bless one another, man. Give awesome compliments. And just thank you for being here today.